folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again. And this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's in Australia. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan. And in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G double E S Emil dot Gorgis at Tokyo Realty dot JP. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so we're back with our JREP panel for a really interesting session this time. We talk global supply chain issues and how these affect renovations and their cost. We talk about how to calculate yield on investment properties and how to calculate profitability of short-term state properties. So we look at different scenarios, property profiles, um, buy cheap and renovate or buy ready to go, other types of situations. We also talk about the cost of renovations and how they affect resale prices and potential rental income and vice versa. How do tenant profiles and rental income affect the extent and cost of recommended renovations? And then we look a little bit deeper into how an investor actually looks at these renovated properties as opposed to an owner occupier or a holiday home buyer. And towards the end, we talk about a potential upcoming live face-to-face J-Rep seminar that we may be holding in Tokyo soon. Enjoy the conversation, and I'll see you again on the other side. All right, J-Rep, back in session. We should have a, a theme song or something, right? Like, <laughs> drum roll. Yes. I thought you already put one on there, Ziv. Uh, the podcast has one, but that's for everything, J-Rep or not. Uh, we want to have a J-Rep, uh, a J-Rep session like intro. All right. Um, shall we? Um, I don't know what's left to write, but the ladies first. Tracy? Sure thing. So my name's Tracy. I am the Mimpaku short-term rental expert here in Tokyo, uh, but I'm pretty clued up on all of the uh, the, the, the ways to profit and maximize your business um, in short-term rental, either in Japan or globally. So I have a blog, I consult, um, and I also am a property manager here. So that's me. Blanca. Hi, everybody. My name is Blanca, and I am the co-founder and marketing director of Agriform Bilingual, uh, so English-Japanese reform company in Tokyo and in Chiba. And we are your go-to company when you need to renovate any of your properties, whether it is your personal or a commercial property, or you need to just build up a new store, uh, anything you need, we are here for you. 
And we can do that both in English and in Japanese. Hey guys. So I'm a real estate agent based here in Tokyo. So I help、uh, foreign families or mixed families find their、uh, personal home in Tokyo. And we also、uh, work with the, the banks. We have loan offices assigned to our agency. So we can also do the mortgage broking function and anything finance related、um, discussions with the bank. We can do all of that for you. So if you have any questions, reach out. And Ziv, to you, my friend. Yeah, well, now that there's、um, the three of you here, I should start with saying that I'm not in Tokyo, right? <laughs> Everyone else is in Tokyo. <laughs> But、um, yeah, we do,、um, we do basically almost everything else. So we don't do、uh, owner occupied homes, we don't do renovations, we hire people like Blanca, we don't do、uh, short term stays, we hire people like Tracy. But、um, anything to do with holiday homes, investment properties, anywhere in Japan, whether you are present in Japan or doing it all remotely, which is our specialty,、um, NTI is your company. And we've also been doing it for about 10 years. So, what are we going to be、uh, talking about today? Maybe out of Tokyo, that's a good start. <laughs> you guys are not active anything, in anything out of the Kanto region at all, are you? Uh, me, well, no, I mean, I, I help some of my clients are out of Tokyo,、um, but、um, I don't have a,、uh, like a, like a Minpaku business. It's all, it's all Tokyo based. Yeah. Well, we are Tokyo and Chiba, so, you know, that's basically still Kanto. So, Kanto Plain. Yes, yeah, we are.、Um, we- Yeah. <laughs> so no, no Saitama, no Yokohama as well? You know what? Saitama, some parts of the Saitama are really close. So we can do Saitama. We had, we had uh, two uh, business like、uh, clients in Saitama because Saitama is basically just across the bridge from me. So in the, in the close parts of Saitama, if the customers are close by to us and it makes sense, then yes, we do go to Saitama. We had a client in Yokohama because basically it was.、Uh, Um, a client that wanted to deal with us specifically. So he was willing to, to, do, to pay for the, for the extra expenses、uh, related to our、uh, transport to, to Yokohama. So we did Yokohama as well. And, and likewise, so I'll, like, we just closed a deal in, in Yokohama recently.、Um, so yeah, we, I would go down to that area, but that's sort of the extent of it.、Um, you know, Kanagawa, really down towards the beach. Chigasaki, for example, is probably a bit far than we can really service properly. If it's an existing client or a referral,、um, we may sort of do it on a sort of case by case basis. But in general,、um, it's difficult for us to really go, like when we show houses, right? I will go and view you know, four or five in one, one weekend or one afternoon with a, a client or a family. And we'll do that several weekends, right? Over a two, three, four month period, however long it takes to find the property. And it's just logistically challenging when it's、yeah. so far away. We can't provide the same level of service to someone who's looking, you know, within Tokyo, where it's very easy to go there frequently. And even after they buy the property,、um, should there be any issues or, you know, on, ongoing visits, it's easy for us to support it. Whereas a place, you know, down towards Chigasaki, that starts to really push. The limit of、mm. us being able to provide good service. And then, yeah, if it's a completely different prefecture, like, you know,、um, Osaka, for example, that's kind of、uh, a bit beyond the scope of what we'd like to do. It's not really the rules or the laws as such. It's just that, that you know,、no. Japan is really such a, you know, a community based and local community based like environment. So, you know, the vibe that you're going to get in, you know, in a Jilgaoka is different from, you know, from, from you know, 
just different parts of, of Tokyo and, and people are not, you're not just buying the property or you're not just going to stay in a property. You're actually, you know, investing into like a community and the, and the, the little microculture that's in that community as well. So, um, and it's, and it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard to know all of it. It's, it's, um, so that's why, that's why I tend to specialize in a certain neighborhood because, my guests, my clients want me to be able to show them all the local flavor and the best restaurants or the, the, the hidden out of the way places. And I, you know, I cannot do that across this massive city. So, um, yeah. uh, so that's why, you know, I, I tend to specialize in certain pockets of Tokyo. Mm. For, for us, us for um, from the get go, our thing was that we, do everything you need us to do anywhere in Japan. And from the get-go, we were always using third parties. So we're not the agents, we're not the property managers. So for us, we're always ambivalent to where it is. But I, I, I feel the pain for foreigners who, um, who do want to do things on their own or with local providers, and they just can't find anyone out of... I mean, there's a handful in Osaka, but um, beyond those two, it becomes very challenging in Japan. In general, right now, it's challenging with anybody, any subcontractors, any anybody that you might want to cooperate with or even staff. It's very, very challenging. How are you finding supply chain issues, Blanca? Like, um, is that sort of affecting you? Is that affecting? Yeah. We haven't really spoken about that on this podcast. So. Yes, definitely. Definitely. You know, there's a shortage of raw materials. And even a lot of even a lot of parts are actually brought from like Taiwan or China, and we just don't have them. What Japan does with a lot of things, they bring bring it from abroad and then 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 they assemble here. Mm. So some of the parts that are you know manufactured outside of Japan, they are just not getting here on time. There's, there's a huge shortage of uh, ships, containers, and the price is just crazy. The prices of container went about... Gasoline four, is through the roof, right? Like yeah, I think it's the- about four times It's about four times what it was a uh, year or a year and a half ago. And now from July, the prices are going to go up again. <laughs> and plus what some of these suppliers are doing or starting to do right now is that they basically are limiting their production because they do not have enough parts to to produce to produce an entire line so they stick with for example the most popular three products of that line and only make that so where you used to have a variety of 10 now you have three and it's either either you take it or you don't have it at all so mm, that's yeah yeah and then prices are gonna go up again from july so we are rushing we are quite busy right now trying to you know close contracts with the uh, existing clients and you know uh, r- find the materials with them right now so we can order before the end of the month to save you know even you know any penny we can for them so it's kind of it's kind of stressful because from first of july the prices are gonna go up again We've had renovations pushed back a couple of months now because of missing parts, but the price, I have to uh, knock on wood, has remained the same. 
if you know like i always we honor if we sign if we sign a contract with the client we honor the price that we signed on so i think that's one thing you can count on in japan usually if they sign up with you for that price then you are you are getting that price no matter what mm. i think the what's happening though is the so the prices that like from the manufacturer so for example panasonic or whatnot you know a company like blankers who's doing the renovation they they currently keeping their prices the same but across the board is what it sounds like is on from july they're going to increase them correct yeah. Yeah. so yes so so today the prices haven't increased but because the the manufacturer has been sort of, yeah the manufacturer has been bearing the the any sort of fluctuation but then from now they're like look we can't hope anymore <laughs> let's uh let's um uh yeah. we yeah, have to pass it on to the customer so july 1st that, any quote of that is going to be higher yeah. any quote that is not basically any contract that is not signed until uh before the end of june um is not going to be honored and the prices will go up if the customer decides uh july 1st oh by the way i still want it then i'm sorry but you know you will have yeah. to redo we will have to recalculate and and redo it so it's kind of like it's um it's a bit stressful because it's not cheap japan it's i mean oh yeah 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 <laughs> um i i do want to say um so uh i've been like just a bit of a tangent just sort of what you brought up like uh, it's kind of in, kind of interesting when we first started this group it used to be on clubhouse and it was a room that we were chatting it was like you know i was doing a a foreigner's guide to buying japan a real estate in tokyo which is a seminar I used to do before i started doing it on clubhouse and ziv i'd met before and he's like look he's got a podcast let's start doing a group thing and tracy is so i do sort of personal homes ziv does investment properties um tracy does the short term rentals um and it's okay well this is actually great because we get three real estate people that can talk um but each of us add value we are a separate area of the real estate business and then i thought that's pretty good coverage and then we got matt came in and i thought what well, yeah. you know that's different but oh akia okay that's cool that's a whole new sort of thing that fits in and now um you know just the the input that you bring like from the the renovation side of stuff because when we had mouth okay yeah great we've really got all all the parts covered what more is there <laughs> and now go oh, hold on we've got another yeah. one well, okay great and it's fantastic and there's no sort of overlap everyone has their own you know specialty which they really adds value to this so, um and just your insight right now was a very clear sort of example of you know stuff that we couldn't like we've all had experience with renovations and and what have you but you know in terms of the pricing and supply chain and a whole bunch of stuff like that it's just really great having you on board so i just yeah, i just need a commercial that. we need a commercial property expert now yes yes mm. no but i love you know i love chatting with people that understand a different part of things and as you say it's all about adding value that's what it's in in real life as well you know whoever you have in your circle if you guys if you are adding value to each other one way or another that's those are the people you want to hang around with anyways so i think i think it's really good yeah i think it's very um, similar to building a in our case at least building a, a business network of um of partners that you can work with right like if it's yeah. this I'll send it to this guy if it's that I'll, if it's that location I'll send it to that person and so forth it's um it's really valuable to have sorry you you were saying him uh what was i saying oh yeah well i was going to sort of go on a bit of a uh, you know just like i was thinking now 
on that note of you know providing sort of different value and whatnot um one thing i want to i was thinking of starting doing was um wednesday so we do this every wednesday at 1 30 when we record it when it gets actually published is a completely different thing but mm -hmm. i was thinking um on my side so what happens with the real estate side of stuff is we often go and do house viewings so i contact the sellers and i'll go do a viewing usually it's with the clients but we can also do viewings just you know people like agents will go and take photos to advertise on their website and what have you so we can get the keys for lots of houses and apartments pretty much any time um the ones that are newly renovated or newly built so one thing i'm thinking is you know Wednesdays, I'll actually do that from from the a house, and like in basically an open house. It'll be just me there because no one else is there, and uh, the real estate industry is generally closed on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So Wednesday, I'll go there, and you know, for five minutes throughout, we'll do this. But then I'll do a quick tour and walk through an explanation of the uh, of the house for something a little bit. Again, we're talking about sort of adding value to to this in our own little unique sort of pocket of expertise. So. Yeah, little walkthrough sessions um, on Wednesdays. Yeah, generally about two to two to three minutes is sufficient, to be honest, for the uh, the walkthrough. Oh, you'd be surprised. We get a few walkthroughs on our uh, YouTube channel, and I tend to always run into the uh, Zoom forty minute uh, time limit when we do those. Because oh, could you look at that? And could you approximate how <clears> high <throat> it is from the counter to the bottom? And you know, would my furniture fit here? And would I be able to do like walkthroughs? Even in small apartments, mm -hmm. walkthroughs can take a bit of time. Uh, yeah, that's that's when you have a client that you're explaining everything to and they're asking questions back and forth. Yeah. But I was saying just to, you know, um, give it a try once on, on this Zoom. I think we got the, down to 40 minutes, 40, like five minutes, just a quick thing. See see how uh, how the viewers, you know, hmm. can I think it. another thing that we should probably do, um, because our viewers, I, I know they're watching and listening. I can see the download numbers, but they're not sending in any questions. So... I'm thinking we should maybe um, just announce and do a live webinar. Yeah. Yeah, I think lives are really good. Because we, we can easily fill in a day with a presentation followed by a Q&A by each of us, right? Yeah. Definitely. Mm. Sure, yeah. Mm. Tracy, and are you doing consulting uh, with, like, a cons I would say consulting sessions with clients that might be interested in getting into min when are not sure are you doing that as I do well a couple of, i do a couple of those a month actually um yeah yeah so yeah i actually had a walk through I, there's a there's a yeah i do a couple of months <laughs> so um good, good. Mm. because why i'm asking is uh the property we are uh about to renovate the clients they basically have a main house and then they have a guest house that are planning to uh, possibly do as a mean packer, but they heard they don't know anything about it. So I told them, okay. well, you know, uh, I have to ask because I actually don't know whether you uh, offer those services. So that's why I was asking because they might be potentially interested in um, hiring you, like or like booking a session with you oh. and discuss what because they don't even know. Okay, if we do that, what do we actually need in that property? Like what we should shouldn't miss and things yep. like that. So. I have, I've actually got all the coaching tools. So I've actually got, um, you know, checklists and spreadsheets and, and, yeah. uh, you know, like, um, things like how much could you earn? And then Ziv and I have done some magical spreadsheets to compare, you know, buildings that are a long-term rental return versus, uh, you know, a short-term rental return. So we've done a couple of, um, 
dummy, dummied up um, options that way. So we've got some, you know, for people to make good choices. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Ziv and I, we, we've combined our knowledge and because, you know, he sells property for long-term rentals. Um, and depending on the size of the building, um, you, you know, sometimes you're better off going long term, and then sometimes you're better off going off short term. So it, it was we, really fascinating to see actually how really the uh, how the ROI yeah. just changes as you go yes. from size of unit, size of building. Yeah, yeah. it would be definitely really interesting. interesting. It will be definitely interesting, especially like uh, when I'm now thinking about that this one specific client because their main house is fantastic, it's gorgeous, and then they have a, a guest house like that we basically gonna turn now into like a first floor living dining kitchen and a second floor bedroom and bathroom so very nice and you know can be doable and of course they said oh you know our families are gonna be coming and stuff like that I'm like yeah but you're not gonna have families here 365 days a year yeah. why not turn it into an income you have a bunch of golf courses around in the area because it's a uh, it's in the Chiba it's in oh, Chiba. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so you have a bunch of golf courses around you. They have three parking spaces uh, with the house. So really, really beautiful property and the potential is huge. But as I'm saying, they, they don't know what to do. So I think, you know, session it all, getting, it, getting all big, zo- it all comes down to zoning. Like, but, you know, it's the first thing you got to do is like, look at the zoning, yeah. zoning. And then what, what the, you know you know like we were saying before each each area has its own flavor and then each so each city has its own rules based on the the residential zoning commercial zoning so Mm. it'll actually be really interesting if we could um um do the same thing that tracy and i have done but um include you blanca and actually see the difference between um, (gasps) buying an old place and sprucing it up to rentable standards versus buying a place that's already done, right? So we could compare yeah, yeah. bargains that are on the market. Well, wait, is it really a bargain? Because if you renovate it, it could cost that much, but then you can yeah. actually custom fit it to short-term rentals and so forth. There's a lot of stuff to but, dig into there. Yeah, I have a client who's just done that. She's just, she picked up a, she picked up an Akia, no, not an Akia, she, she picked up a, um, a really cheap house, which was, could not be rebuilt. And the renovations have just been redone. And I did a walkthrough on it the other day and I just went, whoa, this was fantastic. So, um, and, you know, for things like when she did the renovations, she did things like she ripped out the futon, the futon cupboards and created, created a little desk nook because, you know, people don't need, people don't need like futon cupboards when you've got beds for them and so this is just wasted space so she created a working from home area um and then in the other room it actually became the uh where the bed where the 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 double bed goes and then above it she put in a another place for a single bed so it was really 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 well done so um uh they're the they're the tweaks that you do if you're planning to renovate for a short-term rental versus a you know versus something that you can live in so that that's a really interesting uh uh, we have a client now that it's actually deliberating he has a beautiful apartment and but has been renting it for a long uh long-term rental uh the people left now he has to completely renovate it because of course they've been there for seven years 
um, with two teenage children. Uh, and so there's a lot of wear and tear. And so he's, and now he's kind of contemplating, uh, am I going to sell it as it is? Am I going to renovate it and rent it out? Or am I going to renovate it and sell it? So he's kind of now in that, uh, in the debate, which is for him, because it's a quite an expensive property. So which to him makes more sense? Because he does not really need to sell it because, uh, you know, it's his. He kind of, he, he doesn't mind keeping it and, and renting it. So it's, it's really interesting to see how much, if you do a nice renovation, how much it can actually add to the value in that specific location. Whereas if you would sell it like that, how people are trying to push you down, of course, with the price, because then they cannot see, then they see the higher price of the renovations that they would have to pay to be even able to move in and things like that. So it's actually very interesting to consider all the factors. Neil was talking about that on a few occasions, weren't you, about the um, yeah. what kind of renovations can actually boost yeah. the market price and what are just completely lifestyle choices, right? Yeah, so I, my take on that is like, so it depends on the age of the house. Often when pricing happens, when people buy a place, it's it's different to the West. The West is very much like, they, we never almost consider the age of the property. It's very rare that we consider it. We're, you know, 30 or 60 or 80 year old house. It doesn't really matter. It's how what the, how modern it has been updated. Whereas in Japan, the age of the house is kind of really sticks. So even so, if it's a thirty year old house, but it's you know you spend a lot renovating it, it's still going to be assessed market value as largely a thirty year old house, right? So um, if there's an option to buy a brand new house or this like for you know seventy million yen or a used house next door for for uh for 60 million and you add 10 million of renovations to bring it up to even a better standard it doesn't matter it's still a 20 or 30 year old house and the value is not going to go mm. up by how much you put the renovation in so um and yeah so it's largely square meterage and um of the, the size of the house and the age assuming the location is the same between you know option a and option b yeah this one is and, a this one is a mansion. It's an apartment in the upper floor with a gorgeous balcony. It's uh, I mean you know if I had that if I had the spare money I would buy that one actually. Yeah. And yeah, so the mansions are a bit different because they are like because um, they're concrete. They they have a longer range. Okay, yeah. they last longer. And also like if it's tattered, you it needs like when we talk about renovation, you can you know like this is you know, more blankest thing, but generally 10 to 15 years is when the wet areas really get like, you know, bathroom, toilets, kitchen, start showing their age. If they've been used really nicely, then I guess 15 years, but if they've been used heavily, 10 to 15, you can justify changing them, right? Over here, over here, the problem is that, as I said, they had two teenage son and um, I don't know what was going on in that apartment, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it needs to be. Okay. Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah so like you know and if they've they've lived there for, for you know i guess the boys are teenagers right so they lived there for they say maybe it is 15 years old right that's generally look in, in standard in any sort of property a 15 year old bathroom is like a little bit of bit tight even if you had bought it new it's yeah. time to upgrade you can justify that wallpaper definitely 
Oh, we'll yeah. Take you... it for a house. We interrupt this broadcast. I always wanted to say this. We interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now, the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really, the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S at tokyorealty.jp. Well, Blanca, about, what is it? How many thousand yen per square meter? So let's say, a, let's say an 80 square meter mansion. What are we looking at for just basic wallpaper change? Oh, Jesus yen? Christ. What is it? Uh, if you are using the, if you are doing the standard, uh, the very basic yeah, standard wallpaper, grade. the very basic wallpaper, I think right now with the new prices, it's about 1500 per square meter. Oh, Hold on, I have a quotation for the cross. For I, I that I'm yeah, doing that right now. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually calculating that right now. Yeah. yeah so, well, what what I can do, Blanca, actually, I can use my my clients, like my friend, she's friend client, um, you know, as a case study, and that actually would be really interesting. I could like say. This is how big the house is, and this is what she paid for it. This is what it was earning as a pre-renovated house. This is now what it's going to be earning as a short. And this is what the renovations yeah. cost, and this is what you know. The, you know, because it's a house, it's really depreciated as far as it's going to go. Um, sure. And uh, so now it's really just going to be on what you know what the cash flow on a month-on-month -month is going to be compared to what it could be rented at so uh mm. it's and it's at, but looking offset the cost of you know how much she paid for it and then how much you know see she sunk into the to the renos um it's, it looks amazing that what she did is just you know outstanding 
but when I'm looking at I'm looking at a quotation that I have here for uh, for a wallpaper, and uh, if you are applying like a basic wallpaper, uh, you are looking at approximately fifteen to seventeen hundred yen per square meter. And then it depends what it's under because you have to, if you are, you, if you are taking it off and then depending on the condition of the wall under, uh, it's about a hundred yen per square meter for removal and about 200 yen if you have to do the, some kind of a curing or prep work, what it's under, that's like additional, but the, uh, the wallpaper and the application is about 1700 per square meter of wallpaper. About two hundred thousand yen to say two hundred three hundred thousand yen. Yeah, so let's say plus minus two thousand plus minus two thousand yen, and you go with that with that uh, uh, standard nice, you know, uh, wallpaper. You you have a whole catalog that you can choose from, but it's it's not a luxurious, of course, but it's it's the it's the normal nice standard uh, wallpaper. So you plus minus two thousand yen. You can get so, Tracy in to paint over it. <laughs> so look my so going back to the point right so if it's a 20 year old place a 15 year old place i i kind of think like oh did what we tell people we've got some clients that want to sell and they're like should i change the vanity unit should i renovate the bathroom before i advertise it's a common question when people want to sell and the thing is though we kind of like when other clients that want to buy they kind of like often know the extra upgrades that you do don't really reflect because when you upgrade it, you're going to upgrade, you're going to pay kind of cheaply for the upgrade. And the places we're looking at in Tokyo, they're like 80 million yen, right? These are the, the average kind of property yeah, that we're yeah, yeah. dealing with. So spending 80,000 yen on a new vanity unit is like, it's not really a, a great, um for the for the the customer the client they're like well it's it's there i can't it's not actually the one i want it's a basic one it's a cheaper one yeah. but it's brand new so i can't throw it out right they yeah. so and similar with the wallpaper if, if the place is that old and you just want to touch up a few things it's tough because the client's gonna be like well i'd rather they have not done anything and I can just it's, gut it and do, and I can renovate it all myself. That's a really valid point. I think it's very right. different when an owner occupier is looking at a uh, unrenovated property, and when we as investors look at it, like we're basically okay. looking at how quickly can we get a tenant in there. Yeah, and they're looking it, at it, can it, I can I just make it comfortable for me to live in? Yeah. It really depends, you know, on on the property and everything. But uh, also, if you don't renovate it, you have to be ready to go down with the price because the people will tell you. Oh, but I know, I, and I know because we did that with our house. We knew we had to change things when we were buying it. So we were like, oh, but hold on a second. We have to redo this. We have to redo that. And then you push the price down, you know, a few million yen. Uh, so it depends. The, the mansion I'm talking about is way, 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 way over what we are talking. So... For this client, in general, it's actually better to renovate because he's not really even set on selling because he kind of likes the place. And, you know, discussing with him, uh, when he saw it yesterday, he was like, oh, I might actually just keep it. So he wants to. I, so I think the point is he's going to renovate it either way. 
and then decide whether he keeps it or he doesn't keep it. But if you if you know you are selling a property and it's whatever years old, it's better for you to leave it, be ready to lose some money or go down with the price. So then the new people can put in whatever they want, of course. It really depends on the property. Some people, they just want to move in right away. Yeah. So, and a lot of people, and I realized that a lot of people cannot visualize how the property <laughs> will look. So true. So you bring Same them staging, right? Like we were talking about the other day. Like yeah. you've got furniture in there. People, oh, okay, that's what it's going to look like when I got my furniture in it. Yes, yes. You know, and the same thing. It's with when you get, uh, you know. You, you move out of an apartment or out of a house and, you know, everything, you know, all the wallpaper is dirty and the floor is, you know, scratched or whatever. They cannot see how it's done, how it's going to look when it's going to be fixed. They cannot visualize that. And then for them, it's like, oh, but I don't know any reform company, uh, you know, uh, I cannot, then they cannot picture how much it's going to cost. And it kind of also puts them off the sale sometimes. But I think you, you, come across that that's why we are here and we deal with yeah. somebody. we're used we're so used that's the thing we we have this skill that a lot of you know like people out in the wild don't have because we're looking at properties all day and every day and we're looking at you know the possibilities of how they could be yeah. so it is a skill and you know not to you know yeah there, there are people who who just who can't visualize it doesn't make them bad people it's just that they're not in it on a daily basis so that's why we're here yeah yeah so, and that's why yeah, I like so, to speak with real estate agents that are selling properties or selling apartments because, you know, uh, it's good that they'll be like, okay, but, you know, it's not good. But if you want, we have a real estate, we have a reform company that we work with. They can invite us to the meeting and then, you know, we look at the property and we'll tell them, when, well, approximately it will take this and this long and will cost you about this and this much money depending on, the quality of the products you want to use and that also helps people because some of them are just really stressed because they cannot mm. uh, even figure in the center of tokyo for example you know i mean this apartment is literally central tokyo and the new person will be like oh where i'm gonna start looking for a reform company or where i'm gonna start looking for a gardener to put some nice things on the balcony because that place has a huge balcony with, with amazing potentials, but the people cannot see that. Yeah, we, we do a similar thing. So we have a renovation department in our office for our clients for exactly this. So um, what, you know, like it definitely there are people that cannot visualize it. Right. So one of them, I by think, the way, it doesn't matter how many properties I look at when I see it open, I say, Oh, I can, I can maybe put a, table there but i can't really picture a room and furniture so, and a nice renovation without actually yeah. seeing it yeah what what we do so for example when i when i go to the client it's we like or if we want to sell those places i was saying before about the renovations um so we can actually provide a quote as well so if we're trying to sell a place we look this is it and this is like as mike was saying people don't know how much it will cost to change a wallpaper or toilet so you actually provide it with the quote right? When you're trying to sell and say, look, they've gotten a quote. So you have some idea of we can change this, we can change that. And they can select and they know that, okay, this is part of the price. And another thing is when you have the quotes, you can actually, when you apply for the home loan, you apply for the home loan and put the renovation quote together. Yeah. And so let's say 70 million for the property and 5 million yen worth of renovations. 
the bank will consider it all together in 75 million yeah. yen. Yeah. Right? It's not completely separate. So that's of course one of the part of the sales thing. One thing, look, in terms of whether to do a renovation or not, um, and if it will add value, that's I think also a bit of a case-by-case -case basis. I think more often than not, there isn't the value add. Of course, it depends on the property. But one thing I see that surprises me with used properties is no cleaning. And you go into a place that hasn't been cleaned. And again, with teenage kids or, you know, you know, kids that are like just handprints all over the wall, just the dishwasher looks disgusting when you open, even if it's an old one, even if they're going to renovate the kitchen, it just looks disgusting and unappealing and dusty and dirty. Mm -hmm. Like to do a full um, house clean is what, about 100,000 yen, right? The professional, like when you move and they do such a good job, they get into the bathroom, like it doesn't look as old as it does. Right, and I, I really feel that a hundred thousand yen professional clean, sort of like the move out clean, is will probably is probably worth it. It's like such a small additional cost in the like in an eighty million yen home, but it will be um, attract clients more than a hundred thousand yen difference in price. A hundred thousand yen is basically negligible, um, yeah. but I, I feel that's something that is overlooked. Um, but yes. in terms of renovation, yeah, it's such a case-by-case -case, um, situation. A big one I think that we haven't really discussed is the, the ratio of the renovation cost to the value of the property, right? Um, if it's like it's – because renovation kind of costs the same whether it's a – if you get the same house in central Tokyo in Azabu versus out in Chiba, it's the same size house, same – Kind of renovation required the materials are still going to be the same right yeah. construction costs going to be about the same so whether it's a, a 10 million renovation in chiba or the same property in, in azabajuban it's it's still going to be 10 million yen for the most part yeah but it's easier to justify on a property that's getting five hundred thousand yen a month six hundred thousand yen a month rental return versus you know nine hundred and twenty thousand yen a month Absolutely. Like, yeah. So we had a guy um, in, uh, was in, he was in the Azabu area and he was trying to sell his place. I think it was about 1.3 or 1.5 Oku. I don't, don't remember. Mm -hmm. And in the end, he's like, you know what? I like, he put it out. So one, one thing that we do, if people aren't too fussed about selling or renting, we'll actually advertise both. We'll show it yeah. for selling and for rental as well. And it's kind of whichever gets more attention and gets sort of first Selected, the owner's usually happy to go either way. And this one will end up getting, I think it's like five, like the, the low to mid, mid 500,000 yen a month, right? For like a 90 square meter apartment. Um, yeah, for 520 or 540,000 yen a month rental. Just be like one month's rent will cover redoing all the wallpaper yes. in that apartment. And he wants a high, a better quality tenant, right? As well, when you, they're paying that kind of premium. So, it's easy to justify, oh, yeah, fix that. Yeah, fix the scratches on the floor. Fix this, fix that, because it's covered in one or two months' rent. Whereas if it's an apartment that's quite far away, like in a different prefecture, then that needs eight months of rent to cover it or a year worth of rent to cover it. So the yeah. ROI is not the same. And yeah. um, the Good type lane. of tenant is different. So, yeah, so there's lots of factors you need to consider. It's not just straight up, is it, is it worth renovating or selling unrenovated? That's what that's exactly the case where we are because the apartment I'm talking about has um, a rental, you know, can be rented for approximately one mil a month. 
Uh, nice. So, wow, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. Tracy, it's gorgeous. I'm telling you, if I had the money that he's he wants to sell it for, I would have bought it. That mm. place, gorgeous. It's fantastic, and the terrace and everything. It's like all you want from your, you know, city creep. <laughs> does he have a listing agent? Blanca? Yeah, he and he does, unfortunately. Otherwise, oh, I would have. Like a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he does, and it's gorgeous and everything, but. It's a mil. It's a million uh, a month rent. So even if he invests a year of rent into the reform, he will get basically a brand new place, okay. and it's still his. He can still sell it anytime, but it's renovated and it looks fantastic. I wonder so how much the, the uh, building fees are for a place like that. Uh, Monthly, Kumia, I mean. Uh, some someone Nantuka, someone sons and some are, yeah That's not about too bad. Okay. about the, yeah. either thirty three or thirty eight from what I've seen at the paper it's either thirty three or thirty eight yeah it's always it's always good to you know for people that can't see what it before and after is going to be obviously to have you know to have photos or some sort of CGI it's like oh this is yeah. you know this is what it's going to be so. Um, uh, you know that yeah. uh, that'll that'll help the sales along. We're just doing we my have, thing. Like as soon as somebody tells me how much rent is getting a month, I open up the calculator and try to work out what it's worth buying for. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Just, carry just, on. Just, carry on. Just, ignore me. Just, just five five percent. Just calculate like I have like five percent ROI. Um, probably in Tokyo, probably like that will get lower, like under four percent, like in the threes. I think. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Place. Yeah. Um, Explain yeah, that. Actually, you know what? Explain. That's a really, you know, we've got 10 minutes left. How about you explain how you calculate the ROI? That would actually okay. be so, really useful. So in, we don't have like a in Tokyo, uh, you know what? How about let Ziv do it? Because this is more his, like I can, I can talk about it, but Ziv is more the investment yeah, company guy. So. Okay. Well, um, what we normally do is we work out how much the actual net rental income is going to be because um for example blanca is now saying a million a month so that's the starting point then we need to um deduct from that the monthly building fees we need to deduct from that the property management fee which is usually five percent or five and a half including tax and then we um who's that someone's talking <laughs> uh, my, my son my son's here Ria, come here robot come Ria, come can I say hello no, 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 come on, yeah. Okay, no, he's rich China. All of a sudden, he's all chatty and whatnot, and then he realizes, yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, no, no, he might be caught on it. He's on a runner. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Yeah, so we, we deduct everything that we need to deduct for monthly building fees and property management fee, and then we, we, get, we do that times 12, and that's the annual income. And then we work out the price of the property, but the real price of the purchase, so not what's listed. So when you look at Japanese property listings, they're usually not including the purchase costs. Um, so they don't include the legal and registration fees, the purchase tax, uh, and the monthly fees as well don't include the property management fee. And the title changes, right? Yeah, mm. and they don't include the insurance that you need to pay, which is not a huge amount in Japan, but still something to factor in. And then we divide the annual income by the total cost to purchase. And then that gives us the net pre-tax um, percentage yield per year. So we know that every year, if we get, um, like in, in Blanca's case, let's say it was really net million, we get 12 million yen a year in rental income divided by the price of the property. 
if the price of the property was, for example, uh, 120 million uh, yen, then we'd be getting 10% uh, a year. Not going to be the case, but um, that that was uh, that was yeah. what we'd be getting for it. And that's net pre-tax, but that's not including whatever tax you're paying. So depending on your individual circumstances, if you're um, if you're working in Japan and you're generating salary income in Japan, if you've got a business in Japan, you're already paying a certain threshold of tax. So then that income gets added to your total uh, tax liabilities. And then you need to factor in how much percentage you'll be paying on tax. And it also doesn't include any unknowns. So vacancies, when the property becomes vacant, there's renovation and there's a few months of vacancy. And then there's the price of advertising and placing a new tenant. And, and it doesn't include maintenance, which we can kind of estimate based on averages, but it's a very rough estimate because, you know, you could have five or six years where nothing breaks and then suddenly you have to replace the bathroom. Yeah. So yeah. that's a really rough estimate on averages. Um, and that's how we work it out, basically. I mean, it's, it's a lot easier to do when you're actually looking at an Excel spreadsheet, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah but that's about it. So I think you are looking at about three to 4%. Yeah. yeah, that's usually so your properties. Yeah, yeah. The the ease. The, so you mentioned it. Like I'll, I'll give the easy breakdown, um, because you mentioned that what you do really well, Zib, I think is and is very kind of I say honourable. But in this business in particular, is you always use net yield pre-tax because yeah. taxes depends on the individual, but yeah. net right. So you, all the expenses, all the costs, and of purchase whatnot, is and and then the rental minus the monthly fees management stuff. So the net is really the important number. What the advertisers always do on the flyers and everything is always the gross. Just the monthly rent times 12 divided by the list price. That's not okay. right. mm. And, and that works if you're only paying a thousand yen. If you're paying a thousand yen a month in building fees, yeah. that's fine. Oh. But <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just it's just important to you know, inform the listeners that we're looking at gross. So that usually when you see the flies, it says growth, like rental yield is four and a half percent. That's the gross yield. It actually ends up being less than that. But what's it, how it works is an easy tool. So in, on average properties in Tokyo, like used properties are about four to 5% gross yield. So that means that your rent is about like per year, your annual rent is about 5%. So one twentieth of the property value. So if you're kind of just curious, how much is my property worth? Just think, hey, what's your annual rent? So your rent times 12. Okay, so say you're paying, you know, 200,000 yen a month. I'll go to the calculator here. 200,000 yen a month times 12 divided by, let's say, 4.5%, 0.045 equals 53 million yen. That's what it's worth to an yeah. investor, though. It's a very different story when it's somebody else buying it. Oh, yeah, true that, but... But my point is rather like, if you're kind of curious, the place I live in right now, about how much is it to buy? This is like, you know, it's, it's just kind of a ballpark. Is it 30 million? Is it 50? Is it 100 million? Like, yeah. we have no idea. Just think, okay, you're paying about, you know, four to five yield. And it's just like a simple, kind of just, just to give you an idea. Yeah. That's a simple way to, to approach it. No, but this is, it's, a very, it's a very accurate calculation in the sense that this is how investors decide how much they want to yeah. pay for a property. That's exactly right. I mean, 
we know that we can get four to five percent in Tokyo if this property is being priced in a way that makes it two or three percent. Then I'm just going to buy another one, right? Now let, let me just share my screen. For uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but let yeah. me just share my screen. We can actually do a deep dive into this on another session. Oh, so, that looks familiar. That looks familiar. This is this is and this is uh -huh. the, the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Um, <laughs> so um, so here is the. Um, and we'll do a deep dive on this, but what you were saying is that you were looking at the listing price, the monthly rent, and then all of the purchase costs, worst case scenarios, uh, total, um, you know, this is all in Japanese yen, the total purchase price, and then all of the, the various costs, and then the annual yield. Just tell and people then, not to look at the USD column because that's no, about 30% higher now. Yeah, so, but... Um, but so, you know, this particular property, you were looking at like an annual yield of 3.8 and 26. Is that like that's the term of like that's where you term of return. That's how long it's going to take to get your money back. Sure. Yeah. And for that particular property, uh, when I did the short term rental calculation, double, right? Yeah, that was double. Mm -hmm. um, and then looking at a different property. Um, so. This particular one, which had a different makeup, this was like all 1K apartments. Um, and you did the same thing here. Uh, you got a yield of 4.2, but because they're only small, my short-term my short term projections are much less on a 1K versus a 2LDK or a 3LDK. So the, the price per, the, the cost per month per unit that you need to put into and maintenance and checkouts yes. and check-ins and cleaning is actually a lot higher, right? Correct. Yeah. I mean, because it costs as much, it costs nearly as much to get a, um, a short term rental client as it does, like if you're in a 1K as you are for a, like a bigger property, but they're worth more to you. They're paying so, three times as much. Yeah. So they're worth three times as much, but your costs don't change. So anyway, that we can do it. We, we've, I've got to get going, but, um, but it's just, it's just a really interesting, you know, thing that we should do a deep dive on because I'm guessing that people who listen to us, you know, want to see some hard numbers. And so, yeah, but, I think yeah, the webinar, that. actually, I'm kind of tempted to make it a face-to-face -face seminar because I haven't had a business trip in uh, far oh, too long. Yes. <laughs> well, who wants to come on a business trip? Yay. That would yeah. be fantastic. Yay! And Emil and Blanca can actually do a session there themselves too about um, renovating a property. Um, we can, we can host it. We can host it in our office in Ibiza. And yep. how many people we do you fit in there? Well, we could almost do a hybrid. Uh, we could almost do a 40, hybrid one as well, 50. right? How, how many? Sorry, 40, 50. That'll do. That'll do. Last time oh, yeah, we it, had it, uh, last time we had big. a Tokyo it's seminar. That, that's what we got. We got about 40, 50 people. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, yeah, let's do that. And um, uh, you know, we could almost make it hybrid if um, you know, for people who are not in Japan. So. Yep. Yeah, webinar as well. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yeah, thank you for your plan. time, folks. That's a plan. Let's let's put it in the diary and and um, yeah, let's do it. Love right. it. See you soon, and hopefully see you face to face. Awesome. Soon. Bye bye. See you next you week. Have a, have a great week. You, you too. too. Bye bye. Bye. So there you have it. Really good conversation today, I thought, and the upcoming JREP seminar. You heard it here first. Now, before we go, we're also, as always, going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. 
If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company, and you've got any sort of business or visa related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. Hope to have you with us again next time. And until then, have a great day or night ahead. Yoroshiku! Yoroshiku!